Here at Doxaday Bloom, we are excited about making disciples who impact the city and nations. We hope that you enjoy today's message. Tonight, we are talking about a very beautiful topic, and that is sex. He said sex in church? Yes, sex. There's supposed to be a moment, but it's all good. I thought you would think something, there we go. some sex tonight so just for a moment just to break the ice because and just pg-13 all right if you're in the room we love you um but it's going to be a pg-13 sermon but we're going to talk about sex tonight because we want to redeem this thing of sex right and here's the first thing about it the first thing when it comes to sex is that i want to ask you this question to quick or i want to ask you to do this really quickly i want you to say sex really loudly now I want you to look the person next to you deep in the eyes. <laughs> yes. I can't believe that you guys did that without even wearing a mask. No protection. Ridiculous. Masks is very important. What were you thinking? If you thought something wrong, then this sermon's for you. This sermon's for you. But the questions that came out of this thing, main, main questions were this. Sex before marriage, what's the big fuss? Oh, hello. <laughs> Everyone's all laughing now. <laughs> Pornography, why not? Now, I heard a term the other day by my lovely friend Timmy because he's hip with the youths. And um, I'm not. I still use the Facebook. Um, <laughs> I'm joking, I'm joking. But uh, I heard this term the other day called cuffed, right? So apparently this is some other term that when you're in a relationship with someone, you're cuffed. Huh? Anyone cuffed here tonight? All right, all right. Anyone not cuffed, quickly put up your hands. Quickly look around the room. Just maybe have a look-see. No, just check out your options, just real quick. Just check it out. But this term cuffed actually comes from a very old term, the old ball and chain, right? If I'm cuffed to my wife, like I'm cuffed to my wife, like yo, we're dating, but like intense dating, like marriage, huh? And uh, we, I mean, this picture of uncuffed is, or cuffed is this picture that you're cuffed to someone or to some person, and you know, it's like the old ball and chain, I can't do anything. Say, making the statement that relationships is something that we're cuffed to. It's like there's no freedom in it. I can't do that thing with the boys anymore. Ladies, these guys keep looking at me, but I'm cuffed. Here's the thing, right? Here's the picture, is that this term cuffed is a very bad term because the truth is, if you're in a God-giving, God-living, God-fearing relationship, one that is built around who Jesus is, you're not cuffed. For the first time, you can start living free, right? Because sometimes there's other things that cuff us. Things like sex, pornography, and even sexual immorality, all right? And tonight we're going to talk about those things, right? Tonight we want to actually do this. We want to uncuff ourselves when it comes to these things. We want to be set free from a few things. And here's the thing. Tonight we're just talking about sex. Because if we need to talk about dating and how to date, if we need to talk about what's my role as a man in the relationship, what's their role as a woman in a relationship, if we need to talk about marriage and what that's all about, if we need to talk about all these different things, we're going to be here till tomorrow morning. All right? And I know a bunch of you haven't studied yet or done anything. So I'm going to be with you. 
in that. But what we want to do tonight is just talk about sex. But if you want to know more, if you want to know how to have a godly relationship or how to pursue marriage in a good way or what to do when it comes to sexual purity, we have a course kicking off tomorrow night. All right, at six o'clock right here. And you can register right there. Like if you have your phone out, you can QR code, scan that bad boy, register right now. It's like 30 bucks for four weeks. It's gonna change your life. It's the best investment you can make in your uh, dating life, in your single life. It's for the singles as well, just by the way. Just putting it out there. We're gonna have moments for the singles, especially. Let's see. Come on, guys. Come on. Come on, this is for you. But don't make sure that you don't do that and um, that you do that. And don't miss out because there is some limited space left. You don't have a lot of space left. You're already at 50 registrations. So we want more. All right. It's going to be epic. But tonight we're talking about sex. Everyone say sex. sex. Yes, I can't believe you guys just said that in church. But the first point I want to talk about tonight is this being stuck in the muck. Being stuck in the muck. Now, if we get to this point, we want to ask, we need to get unstuck. We need to ask ourselves, what are we stuck in? It's good to know. It's good to know if you're stuck in like type of clay, a type of mud, or what, what are we stuck in? And, and there's a series scripture that we have for this whole series. Man, I'm so excited about this piece of scripture because there's something beautiful around it. It's Galatians 5 verse 1. If you have a Bible, take it out. If you've got a Bible app on your phone, take it out. Um, if you don't, just like engrave it in the person's forehead next to you, just whatever Remember this scripture because it has so much power. It says this, Christ has set us free to live a free life. It's quite logical, right? Christ set you free so that you could live a life bound? No, to live a free life. So take your stand. Never again let anyone put a harness of slavery on you. You know, this piece of scripture is so good for me because Jesus is saying this. He's saying like, guys, Christ has set you free. I've set you free so that you could live free. So take your stand in that. Take your stand in freedom. Do not ever again let someone put a harness of slavery on you. And it's this picture, right? This picture now I have in my head of a prison. This, this guy in prison, he's got shackles on him. He's in the prison. The prison door's closed. And Jesus comes for a moment. He opens up the door. He removes the shackles. And he says, you are set free. Now, there's a difference between set free and living free. Being set free is beautiful. That's what Jesus comes to do. He invites us into that. He says, guys, I want to set you free when it comes to many things. But living free looks different because that guy can still choose to live in that prison even though the door is open. Some of us have been set free by Jesus and we still live in the prison door. Not because we're scared, it's because this is what we know. This is comfortable. But God says, listen, there's much more outside the prison gates. There's more life for you. There's something greater than you've ever imagined before. Question is, are you willing to step out? To step out into trusting Him and not the shackles of the past. Hello? Huh? Sounds good, right? So with this, how do some of these things control us? What are some of these things that control us? Well, one of the first things that can take some pressure on us is sex. You see, the pressure to be something you're not because of no covenant. And I'm going to get to that just now. But sex, right? People claim that sex is just physical, guys. It's just physical. It's just a physical act. What's the big deal? Some of you are looking at me really weird now. <laughs> Pastor, how can you say that? Well, that's what your question said. So I'm just checking. 
But even Katy Perry, like in her songs, like she understands this. I mean, one of her songs says this. No, I don't even know your name. It's not a mat. It doesn't matter. You're my experimental game. Just human nature. Right? That's how it is. But deep down inside, as I read these lyrics to the song that you sang before, because it's a very famous Katy Perry song. I haven't sang it. I didn't even know that's what the lyrics are. But deep down, you know, that's not true. The moment I start speaking about sex in that way, it makes you feel uncomfortable. Why? It's because I still believe that one of the main issues in our lives are usually sexual issues. Sexual issues is one of the biggest challenges in our lives. I mean, I spend week in, week out with a bunch of guys and a lot of those conversations, not usually when I organize a coffee with them, but usually when they organize a coffee with me, it's about two things. You wanna know what they are? Pornography and girls. That's it. Those are the two conversations I usually have with guys in this church. So now you're thinking, did he have a coffee with Brent the other day? And I was like, <laughs> I mean, one of the major things that is, is bad that actually leaves trauma for lots of years is child abuse. If you've been abused sexually as a child, it's something that carries with you in a very life, life, long lifespan. Why is this a challenge? Because sexual issues are deeper than we think. Usually guys I work with, um, with they have se sexual challenges. It's probably because they have a massive issue with their dad. Right? Because sexual challenges is something that shapes us. I mean, one of the biggest issues is rape trauma, if you don't know this. Right? That's one of the biggest challenges. Ladies do not come forth if someone raped them because they're so ashamed of it. So people do not share the pain. You see, sexual hurt is a very big challenging thing. And Paul, in the Bible, he understood this. He knew this because he saw it firsthand. So in the Bible, Paul writes a bunch of books or letters to a bunch of different churches. And in one of the churches he writes to is the church of Corinth. You know that's that the Bible, the one in your Bible that says one Corinthians, two Corinthians, three Corinthians floor. I'm joking now. But... <laughs> But they were pretty much that kind of city, right? They were pretty rough when it came to sexual immorality, right? To, there was actually a term, to Corinthicize, that was a term. If I was to Corinthicize, it meant I had illegitimate sex. Like this city was known for its illegitimate sex havingness. I don't know what the word is. It was known for them because they had like a bunch of different gods and one of the gods I believe was Ares and if you wanted to worship Ares just by the way you had to sleep with one of the prostitutes in the temple to give you an idea and this was normal this was like oh, am I going to Doxa tonight or am I going to that church that was like the vibe right it was really really weird and Paul writes this piece of scripture to them so just to give you a bit of text um, not texture context <laughs> You know, I'm just saying, when you preach about sex, you've got to be really certain about what you say on stage. <laughs> Anything can be innuendo, so just bear with me, okay? So we're going to read in uh, 1 Corinthians 6 and check this out. Don't you know that your bodies are a part of Christ's body, as he's writing to the Corinthians? He's saying, so should I take a part of Christ's body, which is part of me, and make it a part of a prostitute? Whoa, absolutely not! Don't, don't you know that anyone joined with a prostitute is one body with her? For the scripture says the two will become one flesh. But anyone joined with the Lord is in one with spirit. And then he goes on to say, flee from sexual immorality. 
run. Just go. Just run. Like, if you need to run now, just go for it. <laughs> Don't do it. That'll be awkward. Then. <laughs> Every other sin a person commits outside the body, but the person who is sexual immorality sins against his own body. What does this mean? If I stab you, that's sin outside my body, right? If I steal a pencil or a pen, all right, that's sin outside of my body. But the moment I commit sexual immorality, that's sin within my body. It's within me. So there's a difference to it. It's much closer than we think. It's super emotional. But usually guys would say to me, especially guys, they would say, but sex is just casual, Brent. Like, it's not that serious. Like, it's just about, you know, having fun. How do I know how the car drives if I don't test drive it? I literally, someone once said that to me. I was like, well, you're single. (laughs) You see, today, today's day and age is this. Today, people have sex before they date. They don't date to then have sex. They usually have sex and they're like, I kind of like this guy. Maybe we should date and see if we love each other. Right? Shocking. And here's the thing. The worst part of this, if you do it in this way, it sets up a relationship for failure. There's a stat that has been done. They show that if you have a sexual partner consistently, like different sexual partners consistently, it'll make you go into a new rhythm. And because of this new rhythm, you can never commit to someone in a relationship because a relationship is all about giving. It's not about just getting, right? It gives you the inability to actually give in a relationship properly. And this is a very beautiful truth. And then you say to me, no, Brent, don't worry. You know, we'll just have safe sex. Safe sex. Now, I don't, I, you guys were in LO, <laughs> so you all had LO, I'm pretty sure. But safe sex, listen, can I just tell you, safe sex is a joke. Do you know why? You can't put a condom on your emotions. I'm just going to put it out there. You see, it's not about just the physical act. There's something deeper, way to it. There's something way deeper to it. And here it is, Tim Keller, he writes in this book, The Meaning of Marriage. If you want to get married, read this book. If you don't want to get married, read this book. If you're single, read this book. If you're married, read this book. Just read this book, okay? And it says this, The Meaning of Marriage. He says this, even if you're not legit or legally married to anyone, when you are having sex with them, you find yourself feeling marriage-like ties or marriage-like feelings, feeling like the other person has obligations to you. But of course, the other person has no legal, moral, or social responsibility to even call you back in the morning. This incongruity leads to jealousy and to hurt feelings, obsessiveness. If two people are having sex and are not married, making breaking up harder than it should be. And this leads people to being trapped in a relationship that is not good because of them, that, yeah, that are not good um, because of a feeling of somehow connecting themselves. It's literally every episode of Friends. If you're looking at Friends for sexual morality, <laughs> it's better for you to watch porn. I'm joking, but literally it's... It's quite bad. Literally every episode of Friends is this. I sleep with this guy, and you know, me and Ross and Rachel, and then this, and then, oh, Joey. I mean, Joey's the, you know, he's the man around town. Um, But it's like this whole story, and the picture of this is that the moment that I have sex with someone outside of marriage, the thing is, I'm connecting myself in an emotional way deeper than I should. And when I do that, it leaves me in a problem. Because now I'm connected my way 
in a very deep way, and I'll explain a little bit later why that's a challenge. It's because the misuse of sin is usually the base of a dysfunctional, of, the misuse of sex is usually the, the base of a dysfunctional relationship. Because sin is built for a, uh, sin, sex, is built for a very different space. Another thing we can quickly just give you background on is pornography. So the reason why pornography, all right, I know, right? <laughs> the reason why pornography is such a major issue or major challenge is this, is that porn traffic on the web, by the way, if you didn't know, porn traffic right now on the web is more than Amazon, you know, Netflix, Twitter, and Instagram combined. There are more people watching pornography right now than on all four of those platforms. The porn industry makes more money than the National Basketball Association, the National Football League, the National Hockey League, and the National or the Major Baseball League in America. That's four of their biggest sports. That's a lot of money. I know a lot of you are thinking, yes, I'm in the wrong, I'm studying the wrong thing. No, you're studying the perfectly right thing, and I'll explain why. Is it's shown that pornography, if you didn't know, porn actually numbs your feelings. It numbs your feelings. It stops making you incapable of love. You actually start isolating yourself from people and community. You start actually having an increased aggression. Don't say that, but huh? It actually distorts your belief of relationships. Because you think a relationship works like that. You see, porn, what it does, it actually ruins our picture of relationships. Because porn is all about choosing and getting what you want. Sit there, that looks nice. I'll have some of that. Right? And then you get into a relationship. I want this. I can't give you that. Oh, well, then I'm out. Anyone? Relationship is about giving and receiving. <laughs> it's about giving and receiving. <laughs> right? You see, the thing, if we step into this idea of relationships, when it comes to sex, the way that the world has taught us, when it comes to pornography, if we step into those things, the problem is that a relationship becomes very hard to do. So how do we get out of this muck? How do we start moving out of this ha-ha? <laughs> how do we start getting out of there? Well, there's something you do. You know that winch? You know what we do with the winch? We attach it to something strong, a truth. Now, this evening, I want to give you a truth about sex. Are you ready for it? Sex is good. Hello. <laughs> sex is good. How many of you grew up in a church or in a place where they say, sex is chacha, no sex for you? Don't, near sisa. It is bad. If you have sex, you're going to hell. No, 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 my friend. Sex is good. You see, people think that Christians have a very small picture of sex. Oh, you don't have an open mind. You're not, you're not, you know, you're not a big, no, no, no. The problem is the world has a very small picture of sex. We have a massive picture of sex. Why? Because sex is very important to us. So important. I mean, it's so important that God even created sex. Did you know God created sex? I mean, I mean, let's just think about it. He created Adam and... Created all of Adam and Eve. Everything. Do you think when Adam and Eve, you know, started going for it, you know, do you think he was like, Adam? Oh, Adam, no! <laughs> Eve, no! Ha! Huh? And we can't put that there. He didn't do that. Why? Because he 
created them. He even says that. He created them male and female. All right? He says, blessing them. And, the God, and God said to them, be fruitful and? He knew it's coming, man. He knew it's happening. All right? He knew. God created sex. And why did he create sex? Because sex is a good thing. It's a great thing. Sex is a very good thing. And it's a good thing for three reasons. Write this down. If someone asks you, oh, what does the church say about sex? This is a good thing, right? First thing, very simple thing. I'm not going to spend a lot of time there. It is to multiply. Okay. Biology, sex, babies. There we go. It's a good thing because then you guys wouldn't be here. Okay. Now you just have an image of your parents. Now I'm joking. <laughs> it's okay, it's okay. I had to put it out there. I just had to put it out there. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. My parents, I just want to say, they will only have three kids. I know they only did it three times, definitely. More than that, definitely not. But the thing is, it's good because it helps us to multiply. Second thing, it gets us to know one another. To know one another. Now, there's two different kinds of knowing. There's knowing someone. You know, I know to me, man. He's my best friend. He's a really good guy. Uh, he has handsome-ish face. Um, joking, he's got a beautiful face. I know him. We spend time together. He's, but I know my wife a little bit different than I know to me, right? And uh, and it's a good thing because here's the thing. Genesis four verse one says this. Just quickly read this piece of scripture with me. Now Adam, Eve, his wife, and then she conceived and bore Cain. So what is knowing? Yeah, my wife says I know her very good. But anyway, I know, I know her the best. Like, so good. I'm joking. She said I may make that joke, but she's not here tonight, so. <laughs> but here's the thing. Adam knew Eve, and then they conceived. Why? Because sex, listen up, sex is made for intimacy. It's made for something deeper. It is made for your wife and your husband one day. You see, this, this is important because the moment we have sex, there's a deeper knowing of that person. You know them deeper than you've ever been before. You know their, their, their heart and their desires even deeper. Why? Because sex is, let's put it out this way, this is like actually like a little oxymoron, but it's the climax of any relationship. Right? It is. It is the pinnacle of any relationship. Why? Because in sex, there's something beautiful about it, but it is built for something specific. Now, when we say this, why is this important? Because very simply put, is this. Sex is something we do that is vulnerable, right? It's, you're, you're being vulnerable to someone. Now, being vulnerable to someone without a commitment is very scary. Because you're vulnerable, you say, here I am, here's my heart, here's all I, of who I am. And at any moment they can say, that's cool, thank you very much, and I'm out. You feel the hurt, Right? It's to be fully known and fully loved. That is the picture of sex. Is that someone fully knows you intimately and they fully love you intimately. But that asks for true vulnerability. And the thing is, real vulnerability only comes when there's commitment. When, there's, when you know this person's committed to you. When they've made a public statement to you. Saying that no matter what, I'll be there. No matter what happens, I'll fight for you. It's good, eh? So marriage. Sex is built for marriage. 
It's built for marriage. It's built for the picture of marriage. Why? Because sex is powerful. It is. It is really powerful. It builds up people, but it can also break down people. Sex, in my eye, is like fire. Who, who likes a good fireplace in the winter? Come on, man. Like all of you. If you didn't put up your hand, you're lying. You don't live in Bloemfontein. Okay. <laughs> I mean, fire is good. Lighting a fireplace, you know, having a nice meal, such a vibe, right? It's lacquer. Vibe. Fireplace is amazing. Why? Because, I mean, even if we light our fireplace at home, right? Um, it, it is so beautiful because it, like, warms up a house. It is it's just a good feeling. Now, if I start, for some reason, taking the fire, and instead of making it into the fireplace, I start making it on the carpet in my living room. What do you think is going to happen? Oh, it's nice and <coughs> warm. <coughs> What's going to happen? My house is going to smell like smoke. It's going to burn down most probably. It's going to be ruined. Why? Because I made fire in the wrong place. You see, sex is super powerful. It's fire. But if we start using it in the wrong place, it can actually start hurting us. It can actually start breaking us down. And here's the thing tonight. Tonight, we need to see these realities when it comes to sex. Why? Because there is a beauty when it comes to understanding that marriage is what we're aiming for when it comes to sex. Now, I, wanna, I just want to tell you a little bit of my story. I'm very keen sharing this because God has done something in my life that I'm extremely proud of. Through something that I was extremely disgraced by. So in my matric year, I slept with a girl, <laughs> all right? And uh, when I did that, I mean, I was not even close to God. I didn't even care. I was living my life. And I met Jesus. And yo, the first moment I met him, he just showed me his love. And it was so good, like, like really good. And in a process of years, he started releasing me from a lot of things. He started showing me the truth in my life when it comes to sex, when it comes to marriage. And I remember, you know, getting engaged with Donnell and dating her and all that. I remember saying to her, man, we got, we got to fight for this thing. We got to fight to stay pure for our wedding night. And I was thinking to myself, but it's, it sounds so old school. It sounds so not, you know. And here's the thing. We, we fought for it, right? We definitely fought for it. I told her about my past. She forgave me because Christ heals us and he makes us new, which is beautiful. And I remember this, <laughs> on our wedding night, you know, or during our honeymoon, like obviously, <laughs> we were married, so now, you know, <laughs> I could see her and she could see me in all our glory, right? <laughs> and for the first time, we, we did stuff, <laughs> and I felt zero guilt. Who of you guys have made out with someone you feel but guilty? If you've ever made out with someone, it's probably that you felt guilty either way. <laughs> it's not like you start making out with someone who's like, I just want to put some, you know, Rent Collective and Song on while we... Let me just put the sermon on from Sunday while we get undressed. It just feels wrong, right? Why? Because God's saying, guys, I'm build building sex for something better. And I, and I remember just like doing things, you know, having that time, intimate time with my wife. And how I felt how God looked at me and said, man, I'm so proud of you guys. Because for the first time, we could understand real intimacy, not just fake, cheap sex. We could experience something greater. And I can promise you, there's a, 
a cool stat, and we're going to talk more about that in our, in our dating series course coming up. But they actually show people that adhere from sex in dating have most like, um, uh, how can I say, a most successful marriage, but most pleasure in sex when they're actually married. Why? Because they kept it for the right place. They're making the fire in the fireplace. And I want to ask you tonight, maybe it's time for you to start making fire in the fireplace and not just on the carpet. So I want to ask the band, you guys can join me. And I want to end off with this. So Brent, that's good. I hear the concept. I hear it's, it's beautiful. But what if I messed up? What if I've made my fire? What if I have been making a few fires? What if I made the fire years ago, but there's still a smoky smell? What if I've had sex with someone, but it wasn't my fault? It wasn't my choice. I was forced into it. It's a big one. And tonight, as we tie the winch to the tree, as we tie to this truth of sex, I believe God is going to start switching on that little engine, start pulling you closer. You see, Paul writes to the same oaks in Corinthians a little bit later. And he explains to them the truth. Tonight, we've been explaining the truth. He says, do you not know that the unrighteous do not inherit God's kingdom? He says, don't be deceived. I mean, sexual, no sexual immoral, immoral people, idolaters, adulterers, males having sex with males, no thieves. No greedy people, drunkards, verbally abusive people, or even swindlers will inherit the kingdom of heaven. It's bad, right? But then Paul comes and he says something. But, and as some of you used to be like this, you used to be like this. It's something of your past. He says, even though some of you might have been like this, know this. But you were washed, you were sanctified, and you were justified in the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord, by the Spirit of our God. You see, even wherever you might be, if you're in a place, man, I, I've never done this, Brent. I'm saying, great. You're in a really good place. And I want to ask you, keep that the fight. Fight for marriage one day. Fight for the biggest picture of your life when it comes to sex. If you're sitting here and say, someone... Me and someone might have stepped a boundary. I want to tell you the beautiful thing about this is listen to these words of Paul. He says, but you were washed. Not going to be washed clean. You were washed. You're sanctified. And you've been justified in his name. See, when we are in Christ, he creates us new. And when you are with him, he can make you pure. Or maybe you're even sitting here, Brenda, it wasn't my choice. Someone hurt me. I want to say that same invitation is there for you. Jesus Christ calls us to be made new. So I want you to stand for a moment. And in closing off tonight, I was thinking, what, what's the best way that we can start illustrating this? Or what's the best step forward? Is it the five rules of not having sex? Is it the don't do this, don't do that, don't watch porn, don't? No. It's not those things. Because the more we try and fight them, the more we lose. Do you know what's the best thing for you to start doing? If you have sexual pain in your life, the best thing for you to do is to forgive. In this piece of scripture, we read, Jesus 
has forgiven you. But Brenda missed the hill. He has forgiven you. So what's your step? Why are you still in the prison? Why are you still on, in shackles? It's because, my friend, you haven't forgiven two very important people. You haven't forgiven the person that hurt you. You haven't forgiven the other person. Or, or and, you haven't forgiven yourself. And tonight, Jesus is saying the door is open. The gate is open. Will you come and live for free? Will you come live in freedom? Will you come to me and live with me? But it starts with us forgiving ourselves and forgiving others. Isn't that good news? It's good news. Friends, you're standing here forgiven. It's been done. Jesus finished it on the cross. There's nothing more you need to do. But maybe it's time for you to start forgiving yourself. Sometimes the first person standing in your way is not the other person. It's you. Start forgiving yourself. So you'll see, it's quite funny. People are like, why are there cat sandboxes in the, around the auditorium? <laughs> it's not. It's for a little illustration. We're going to spend some time in worship, and I want you to have a good conversation with God. Say, God, when it comes to my sexual life, here is where I am. And I know you've forgiven me, but can I please forgive myself? Can I please forgive that other person? And I want you to do as a moment. See, we're not going to write on a piece of paper and put it on the wall. No. I want you for a moment to come to the sandbox and draw whatever, a picture or an initial of the person or initial of whatever, even a symbol, a little stripe, something that symbolizes that person. And as you dry, write it in the sand, just like Jesus did with a bunch of people in the Bible, as you've written that in the sand, I want you to take your hand and wipe it away. To say to God, tonight this person I forgive. Thank you for listening to this week's message. Make sure that you get connected to this family on mission by joining us at one of our Sunday services.